When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs, welcome back from the bye week. You feeling rested? You feeling rejuvenated? This is going to be an all-world style episode, I'm sure, with a ton of energy. You make it. You make it sound like they're not all. Oh, you're right. That's, all of them all-world episodes. All-world plus is what I meant to say. An extra <laughs> level that we're kicking it up to. Hey, let's do it. I also find it interesting that you were able to make it back for the taping of this podcast since you were just an in indie interviewing for that head coaching job. <laughs> I mean, you do have more experience than the guy they hired, so I'm sorry well, that you didn't get we're that. We're tied. <laughs> that's, but see, how the, absurd is it that sticky, that's actually a fact that, you, that you're tied? The, the, the sticking point, the sticking point for me was I couldn't bring you along as my special teams uh, coordinator, so I could just sit there and ask questions to you that people pre-write in your ear all game long. <laughs> no, well, you you, you were going to do the special teams. I mean. Um, and then when I got fired, you know who always gets who the, the uh, most popular choice for, for the interim, interim is always the special teams coordinator. If you know it's why? not an ex-center, yes. Is because the special teams coordinator is the only assistant coach on the staff. This is true, not some like smart aleck uh, joke. He's the only <laughs> um, assistant coach on the staff who works with both both offensive players and defensive players. So he's naturally got the rapport with the entire roster. Well, he, he has a better understanding of um, the roster as a whole than any other assistant because other assistants are either working, either if they're coordinators, either only offense or only defense. And then if they're you know, position coaches, they only work with one position. The special teams coordinator is working with you know, some linebackers, some DBs, offensive linemen and defensive linemen for the field goal uh, and extra point uh, protection team, you know, that kind of stuff. So none of that is, a, um, you know, a good reason to fire a coach during the season, but um, that's some of the thinking that goes involved when they're looking for an interim guy. 
Well, let's take care of business right out of the gate here and keep our quarterback question streak alive to kick things off on the Ask and Answered podcast. This week's question comes from Bob Sacamano and Labs. What I love about this is if we don't have anything current, that's okay. We've got a whole plethora of Steelers history to call from, and that's exactly what Bob does here. He writes from Claysburg, Pennsylvania, asking, when Terry Bradshaw called his own plays, did the Steelers coaches know what plays he was calling? It's hard to believe Coach Chuck Knoll was standing on the sidelines without knowledge of the next play. Okay, well, um, first thing to understand is this was during the 70s, early 80s. So that was, you have to understand the technology of the time. There was no sideline communication out to the uh, uh, playing field like there is now. So there's no way for the coach to know. I mean, the quarterback is in the huddle calling the play. Chuck Knoll is standing on the sideline. How's he? How can he possibly know what the play is? So, um, you know, he didn't know. Uh, so, Chuck Knoll, I mean. So, there was no electronic communication, as I said. But what there was, was there was a lot of um, conversations uh man-to-man, person-to-person conversations that took place during timeouts, um, you know, different stoppages of play, those kinds of things. And I remember a clip NFL Films had from Super Bowl XIV uh, where they had their microphones kind of eavesdropping in on a conversation on the Steelers' sideline between Noel and Bradshaw. And Noel was telling him, third-down situations go for the big play because, as he was explaining, the Rams' defense would defend the sticks. So it was going to be hard to throw passes to the sticks. Um, And with the the receivers that you have and the arm that you have, Terry, go deep. That's a a good alternative. And so, you know, if you remember how that game unfolded in the fourth quarter – Relatively early, the Steelers had a uh, third and eight. Bradshaw went deep to Stallworth, 73-yard touchdown. Two series later, third and seven, Bradshaw went deep to Stallworth again, 45-yard gain that set up Franco Harris's one-yard touchdown, and that iced the 31-19 final score. So Chuck Knoll didn't know specifically what the next play was, but based on the instructions and the conversations he would have, with his quarterback over the course of the game and the week of preparation, you know, um, he had a pretty good idea if Bradshaw was paying attention, (laughs) the kinds of things uh, that he was uh, able to expect. John Peterson from Pittston, Pennsylvania. It has been well documented that Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett have a previous working relationship at Pitt. I would highly assume the playbook and terminology probably aren't too much different from a few years ago and so do you see Canada opening the playbook for Pickett more as this season progresses so than he more so than he did with Mitch Trubisky? Uh well actually um it hasn't been well, well if it's been well documented <laughs> it's a false that document. Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett had a previous working relationship at Pitt. That's inaccurate. <laughs> In fact they had no they were never at Pitt together. <laughs> Canada was the offensive coordinator at Pitt in twenty sixteen. Now, he was involved in the recruiting process that brought Pickett there. But when Pickett was a freshman in 2017, 
Canada was already at LSU. Then the next year, 2018, Canada was at Maryland. And then in 2020, he became the Steelers quarterbacks coach. So um, before, you know, this uh, for OTAs, 2022 OTAs, uh, they had no working relationship at all. Jim Anderson from Toledo, Ohio. Because you wrote in a previous Asked and Answered that, quote, the resetting, rebuilding, and preparing for the next season begins during the offseason, and the Steelers were 1-4 to start the season and now 2-6 and six coming out of their bye, would you give this past offseason preparations a failing grade? Um, well, where I went to school, final grades were assigned at the end of the school year. Thank God for that because sometimes uh, – you know, like like your favorite football team, uh, some students got off to a slow start. <laughs> so um, re- resubmit the question in February, and I might have a better answer for you. See, I always got off to a slow start, but then also an even slower finish. So <laughs> unfortunately, the grades never – once that weather starts to turn back to summer, it's a little hard to focus on the schoolwork. Craig Ogle from Belleville, Ontario, Canada. The Steelers placed DeMarvin Leal on injured reserve before the game against the Buccaneers. Because of this, he did not play against the Dolphins or the Eagles. The week after the Eagles game was the Steelers' bye week. Will Leal be eligible to come off injured reserve after the Steelers' bye week, assuming he is healthy healthy enough to do so? Or will he have to stay on injured reserve for another week so that he misses four games? Uh, okay, so um, the rule about uh, the minimum time uh, a player has to miss uh, when he's on injured reserve is games, not days or weeks. So the Marvin Leal has to miss four games. So that would be means he's not eligible to return to practice until after this Sunday's game, which is against New Orleans at Acrisure Stadium. Now this differs from the other thing that uh, we've talked about recently, which is the 21-day window, you know, for a guy um, on, who is on injured reserve to practice with the team before the team has to make a final determination whether to bring him back or leave him on IR, and that would apply to Calvin Austin. So it's two different things. Um, the practice window is days, not weeks. Or get, No, it's the practice window is days, not games. And the IR uh, stay is games, not weeks. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all, even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Bill Shiner from Jackson, Tennessee. How many times have the Steelers drafted a quarterback in the first round? 
Um, okay, Bill, I got to admit, um, I thought there would be more instances of this uh, than was actually the case when I looked it up. But um, just to you know, give you a little background, the Steelers, including 2022, the first NFL draft, first NFL draft was 1936. So the 2022 NFL draft was the, the 87th in Steelers history. Uh, and the other thing to remember is that until, I don't know, late 40s, 1950, right around there, the Steelers operate out of the single wing where, you know, the quarterback in the single wing is a blocking back. So, you know, it, they were still called quarterbacks, but the kind of player um, who occupied that position is not the same kind of player that occupies the position in the T formation. So, but anyway, now that I've muddied the waters with those little (laughs) bits of historic facts, um, six times this has happened. Six players, six quarterbacks picked in the first round. Ted Marsha Broda, 1953, from a place called Detroit Mercy. Uh, Len Dawson, probably heard of him, Purdue in 1957. Terry Bradshaw, Louisiana Tech, 1970. Mark Malone, Arizona State, 1980. Ben Roethlisberger, Miami of Ohio, 2004. And Kenny Pickett, Pitt, 2022. See, Labs, even I learn something new every time we do this podcast. I didn't know that the Steelers drafted Len Dawson in the first round back in 1957. I don't even think I knew that Len Dawson was a Steeler. Shows how smart I am. Well, he wasn't a Steeler for very long. And, um, you know, the Steelers drafted Len Dawson in 1957 and John Unitas in 1955. (laughs) Didn't keep either one of them around for very long, if at all. Wouldn't hate going back in the time machine for one of those two. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe next week. (laughs) Gene Gray from Moreno Valley, California. Joe Green lined up at an angle towards the quarterback. Is that still allowed? If so, then why doesn't anyone do it anymore? Okay, that alignment, Joe Green would line up at an angle in the gap between the center and a guard. That was known as the stunt 4-3. And for a time, that was devastating to NFL offenses because Joe Green was so quick and so strong that he could penetrate that gap to get into the backfield and just mess everything up. And when he would line up like that, it was hard to double-team him. Um, so there was that. The other thing that made <clears throat> that alignment so difficult for opposing teams to deal with was that Ernie Holmes was the other defensive tackle. So they were so busy trying to deal with Joe Green that they couldn't really commit the personnel that was necessary to deal with Ernie Holmes, who's strength and power. Um, I mean, this guy, there were a couple of seasons where opposing opposing teams believed that Ernie Holmes was the best defensive lineman on the Steelers team. I mean, that's how, that's how powerful and strong he was. So, okay. So you had those two problems to deal with in the middle of the line of scrimmage. And then the, the opposing offensive line also had Dwight White and LC Greenwood on the ends, you know, who were quicker, faster, athletic pass rushers. So then behind that, 
you had Lambert and Ham just running free, you know, at the second level, doing whatever they needed to do to be a pain in the butt. So, okay, that variation, the stunt 4-3, to answer the question is, it's not illegal. But why don't NFL team, current teams do it? Well, I don't know. Maybe they don't have <laughs> Joe Green and Ernie Holmes uh, in the middle and Greenwood and White on the outside with Ham and Lambert behind them. I, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and just uh, guess that personnel has something to do with it because, you know, a, a scout taught me a long time ago, it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. So in the NFL, personnel triumphs over scheme every time. And the successful coaches at the NFL level understand that and implement it in figuring out their plan. Patrick Flynn from Oakdale, Pennsylvania. James Daniels reportedly was fined $10,609 by the NFL after defending Kenny Pickett in the Buffalo game back on October 9th. Does that money come as a straight deduction from a future game check, or does that player mail in a check like a parking fine? If the other players were so inclined, could they offer to defray the cost for Daniels by giving a small donation for his fine behind closed doors? Um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not like a parking fine. Uh, the <laughs> league the league is not not so naive as to expect that those checks would be sent in. Um, you know, because beyond the ten thousand dollars, ten thousand six hundred nine dollar fine to James Daniel Daniels. Imagine them trying to collect a fifteen thousand dollar fine for not having your socks tucked in properly. You don't think that check will be you mailed know. in a proper time? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. <laughs> so what the league does is they just take it right out of the check before you get the check, kind of like the IRS will do if they have to garnish your wages. Um, so there's that. You think a little, uh, a little collection bin goes around sometimes from time to time? Um, you know, hopefully if it does, the people who do that are smart enough to keep their mouths shut <laughs> because I don't think that that would be viewed very fondly um, by the legal office. So uh, if that happens and it's, you know, cash and nobody talks about it and you know that kind of stuff, it could be fine, but you know I, that's not something. If anybody wanted to get involved in that, that I would recommend uh, making it public. <laughs> Todd Pollock from Bedford, Kentucky. Do you think the commentators have jinxed the Steelers for continuing to say the Steelers have never had a losing season under Mike Tomlin? Uh, I'm not a big jinx guy um, because besides that. I have I have a pair of lucky socks. So when I'm when I'm wearing my lucky socks, I'm immune to jinxes. It's important to note too that those socks haven't been washed since the beginning of the season, correct? Um I can't I can't divulge that information. <laughs> they lose their luck. Our final question today comes from Arthur Smith from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. How is it the 90th season of Steelers football if they were founded in 1933 and it's now 2022? Okay, um, oh, when you ouch. measure, what's that? This is just ouch. This is a tough oh. one for Arthur to swallow. <laughs> when you measure um, seasons, it's not the same as an anniversary. 
because when when you're ma- you get married, your first anniversary isn't until 365 days after the day you get married, or divorced, or you know graduate from college, or you know flunk out of high school, or whatever whatever the anniversary is. But when you're talking about seasons, you have to count that first year as one. So three, you know, if if the Steelers were founded in 1933, the 1934 season is actually two because they played the 1933 season. So that's the way you have to do it. You have to count both uh, the beginning and the end, you know, the years at the beginning and the end. And so you don't just subtract uh, 1933 from 2022 because then you, you'll come up with 89. But if you count the 1933 season, which you have to, because they participated in that, it's 90 seasons. We're getting a little too close to math. I think we got to end the podcast now. It was our last question okay. anyway, but my head's starting to spin. I told you a couple of questions ago I was never good at school. Slow start, slow finish. So <laughs> we're not doing arithmetic like this on this podcast. All right. Sorry. No more. No more arithmetic. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it at history. Thanks as Occasionally. Always. Thanks as always for sending in your questions. Make sure you get questions into labs right now if you want to have a chance to hear them read on next week's edition. Steelers are back in action this Sunday at home against the New Orleans Saints. Looking forward to that one. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opperman. Thanks as always for listening to Asked and Answered. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.